Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills. I'm the lead pastor at Chandler's Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. So glad you're joining us. Uh, we are in week two of our four-week series called Bless This Home. And, and again, I'm super glad uh, to be able to talk to you today. If this is your uh, first week joining us, uh, we want to thank you for joining us, but also uh, just let you know that uh, this is our second week of the series. And uh, if you have not listened to the first week, I encourage you to do so. Just go back and uh, pull it up and uh, listen to the first episode. Then come back with us and join us for this episode because we're we're talking about and uh, looking through uh, the Beatitudes, which comes from a Latin word which means blessedness. And Matthew, in Matthew chapter five, Jesus showed us eight different characteristics of those who are blessed. And so last week we, we looked at blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so we'd love for you to learn what that all means and, and then come back and join us for this week. That would be awesome. Uh, give you a little heads up for next week. We're going to see that blessed are those who are peacemakers uh, because in our homes today we have a lot of people that are peacetakers and we're going to learn to be peacemakers. And then the last week, fourth week, we're going to see that the blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Uh, looking really looking forward to talking about that one. But today I want to apply one of the Beatitudes uh, to our families as we ask God to bless our home. Because honestly, most of us wouldn't say that most homes or most families look really blessed from the outside. But before I get into it, I want to kind of just ease our way into it. I'm going to ask you an odd question, a uh, really odd question, I think. Uh, I, I want to know if there's anyone out there that's ever been robbed before. Have you ever been robbed before? When my wife and I were just first starting out, we had a, a friend of mine who was staying with us temporarily, and I came home from work one day and realized my friend was not there. And my back door of my apartment was completely open, was wide open. And I also realized that many of our things were gone as well. And so we were pretty, pretty devastated. And so I devoted the rest of my adult life preparing for the next person who breaks into my home. I became kind of like this weapon, a walking weapon. Um, you give me a pair of nunchucks and I can take out like eight armed men single-handedly. I, I'm like a Jackie Chan movie waiting to happen. You know, like, get out of my house. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you. No, not really. <laughs> Just joking. Uh, pretty level-headed guy. But I do, uh, like anybody else, um, there's, there's something in us that wants to protect our homes, isn't there? There's something in us that wants to protect our homes. And what's interesting in our culture today is you're applauded for protecting your kids physically, right? We really are. I mean, you put headgear and elbow pads on them and fully, fully gear them up just to go out to the, check the mail, right? Because we've got to keep them safe. But yet in our culture, when you try to protect them from their, protect their heart and their morals, you're often called overprotective. And so we're applauded for protecting them physically, but people get made fun of when we try to protect them morally. So we're going to find that God actually calls us to protect not only the physical nature, but to protect the purity 
of the hearts. Just as I was robbed physically, I believe we have a spiritual enemy who wants to rob our families of their purity, you know, to break in, to kill, to steal, destroy their innocence and their trust. And Jesus gave us a very specific beatitude in Matthew chapter 5. Um, we're going to look at uh, verse 8 today. He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now let's start with, uh, Blessed are the pure in heart. Now the word heart in the Greek language is the word cardio. And we get our word cardiac from that word. And Jesus was using this as a metaphor. He, he wasn't saying, blessed are those who have a pure organ that pumps blood through their veins. Okay? He was using it as a metaphor to describe the emotions, the feelings, and the inner self. And so I want to say very clearly that today's podcast is, is much broader than, um, than what I'm going to share today. His, his, Jesus' message is much broader than, than what we're going to be talking about today. When he said, blessed are the pure in heart, he was talking about attitudes, motives, and thoughts towards others. He was talking about a lot more, uh, again, like what, than what we're going to talk about today. So for our purposes, I want to narrow down uh, and talk about the moral purity and apply it to our homes, okay? That's what we're going to be specifically talking about. We're talking about blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, in our world today, uh, it's very common for us to believe our, of ourselves and of other people that say, oh, she's got a good heart, or hey, he's got a good heart. Young single girls dating a guy, oh, he's not a Christian, but he's got a good heart, right? No, he's unemployed and lives in his van down by the river. He smokes weed for dinner, okay? But oh, he's got a good heart. The reality is, although that's a common saying, it's simply not true of any of us. And I will show you in scripture, I will show you in that scripture today, okay? Here's the thought for the day. So if you want to write this down or anything or just kind of uh, implement this into your brain and deep down in there, uh, we need to understand that without Christ, okay, there is no such thing as a pure heart. Without Christ doing heart surgery on us, there is no such thing in any of us as a pure or good heart. In fact, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 and 10 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. The heart is deceitful above all things. Also in Ephesians 4.18, the Apostle Paul said something really profound to the believers in Ephesus. He said this of those who were Gentiles, who had drifted from their faith, who were non-believers. He said, they're darkened in their understanding and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, hardening of their hearts. They are darkened in their understandings. They're separated from the life that God wants them to have because of their ignorance. They don't even realize it because their hearts have grown hard to the things that matter most. They're darkened in their understanding. To kind of put it in perspective, how many of you have ever walked into a movie theater that was really dark and as you walked in, you were like, wow, it is dark. Like it just like slapped you in the face. It was so dark. Okay. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. You're like, don't spill the popcorn and the candy we just smuggled in the theater because we can't see right now. We don't want to drop that. Right. You know, uh, but what happens after we've been there a few minutes? Suddenly, uh, you can see much better. Why? Because our eyes adjust to the darkness. Could it be that in the majority of our homes and our families that we love are separated from the life of God? Because we've been darkened in our understanding, because of our ignorance and our hearts have hardened, and we don't even recognize that we're not seeing the goodness of God because we've allowed so much impurity into our families, and we don't even know it. Could it be? Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 4.19, having lost all sensitivity, 
They've given themselves over to sensuality, such as to indulge in every kind of impurity. There are a few verses that might better describe our culture today. Having lost all sensitivity, our culture is giving itself over to all sorts of sensuality and indulging in every kind of impurity. Now, now in our lives and our families, okay, we love them. We, we want to protect them. We want to guard our marriages. We want to protect the next generation. And so honestly, we would never give you know, our little babies and go, hey, here's a, a little bottle of poison. Drink this little baby, would we? We would never do that. We would never tell our kids to go swimming in a pool full of acid, would we? It's just not going to happen, right? And yet, we'll send our 15-year-old daughters out on some card date with some hairy-legged, pubescent-filled boy that we've never met. This happens all the time. We'll give our 14-year-old boy unlimited access to a mobile device where they can get into anything and everything that we would never want them to see and call that absolutely normal. And when we take our own hard-earned money and pay to be entertained by things that honestly must break the heart of God, and that's absolutely completely normal in our world today. Could it be that one of the reasons our homes are not blessed is because our hearts have been hardened and we've been darkened in our understanding without even knowing it, we've lost all sensitivity and we're now indulging in every kind of evil. What's going to be different in our lives? That's what we have to ask, right? Well, if you missed last week, we had a key thought that I want to revisit, uh, and we'll, we'll revisit this every week uh, during this series. Uh, you may remember it, but we're going to have a, a mind shift, a different way of thinking, and here's what we're going to be. We're, we're saying that we are not just a Christian family, but what are we? We are a Christ-centered home. Now, if you missed last week, you may say, well, what's the difference? I, I don't understand. Well, in our culture today, sadly, it doesn't mean a lot to say that, hey, you know what? We're a Christian family. 80% of the people in our country would say that, but if you look on, you would not say 80% of them are Christ-centered in the way they live. There's a big difference. We could say, yeah, I'm a Christian person. I, I kind of believe in God, but there's a big difference between saying that and saying Jesus is first in every way. He's not just part of my life. He is my life. And if we want the blessings of God, then we need to learn to live according to his word. And that's exactly what the psalmist asks in Psalm 119.9, he asked the question, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? If you've got kids or you're a young person, I really want to speak to the young persons today uh, or in this, in this time frame, not just necessarily today, but in this time frame. That's a great question to ask yourselves. How in the world, with all the temptations in this world, can we stay on the path of purity? You know, how can you do that? Well, here's what culture would tell you. Here's what culture would say about everything. Hey, you know, you just follow your heart. Follow your heart. You've got a good heart, so just, just follow your heart. Listen to me. That's honestly the stupidest advice you could give anybody, okay? Don't follow your heart. Your heart is deceitful. I've seen so many, so many married couples who followed their heart right out of marriage into adultery. Why? Because my heart said, oh, he's hot. Or my heart said, oh, he's, she smells good, you know? And don't follow your heart because it just it's a trap a lot of times, Okay? How can a young person keep their way pure? Here's how. The psalmist continues on in Psalm 199. and says, how can, you, uh, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? He asked that question. Then he goes on, by living according to your word. Do not, let my, do not let me stray from your commands, is what he says. I've applied that verse and translated it towards a family just for application this, today. How can our family stay on the path of purity? Here's the answer. Not following our hearts but by living according to your word. We, our family, will seek you with all of our hearts. 
God, do not let our family stray from your commands. Now, for those of you that aren't married and don't have a family right now, you're, you're kind of kicking back and, and thinking, yeah, Pastor, Pastor Dan, you sock it to all them people that are, that are married and everything. Because it doesn't matter to me because I don't have a family yet. So, so I can do whatever I want, and then later on I'll get things right. I mean, right now I can sleep with who I want. I can drink what I want. I can smoke what I want. I can watch what I want. I can say what I want. I can do what I want. I can hang out with who I want. Because I'll get it right later on when it matters, later on when I have a family. Listen to me. What you do today matters. You don't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. You just can't do that. If you want a harvest of righteousness in your family later, you plant seeds of righteousness in the ground today. How can a young person stay pure? By living according to your word, to God's word. All right, so let's do this. Let's just acknowledge that just perhaps in our homes, our eyes have grown accustomed to the darkness, right? Our hearts have been hardened and we don't even see the ways that we've let impurity become part of our lives. How can we go against the flow? Not just as a Christian home, but as a Christ-centered home. Truly wanting to raise a generation that puts Christ first and honors him in every single way. The question is, how can we practically create a culture of purity in our homes? I can give you lots of different thoughts, but I, I want to give you three today, all right? Because the first thing we need to understand is it's not going to happen by accident, okay? You're not just going to get married, raise kids, and 20 years later go, well, doggone it, they're holy. I don't know what happened. I mean, they're all pure. Wow, what an accident, right? That's not going to happen. So let's get intentional about this, okay? Three thoughts. The first thing is we have to start with ourselves, okay? Number one is get your own heart right, okay? Let's start there. Get your own heart right. I don't care if you're 18 or 88. I believe you set the tone in the relationships around you, okay? You set the tone, and no matter where you are, okay, in life, you lead towards purity. In fact, Solomon said this in Proverbs 4.23, above everything else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. So when we're looking at how do we behave, what do we allow in our families? What do we want to be influenced by? What do we want to read? What do we want to watch? What kind of entertainment do we want to have? What kind of friends are we going to allow closest to us? What kinds of things are we going to feed our minds? What kind of thoughts do we want to have? How do we decide what's right and what's not right? As we're looking at things, at those things, a lot of people will say, well, let your conscience be your guide. The problem is scripture teaches us we can't trust our consciences for everything because like our hearts, we can deceive, our, deceive ourselves so, so easily. I'm going to give you an example. Um, you've probably heard this, this phrase before, right? Uh, that's what everybody, everybody does. Everybody does it. I'm, I'm sure many of you heard that, right? How many of you probably heard this saying, though, followed up from mom and dad? Just because everybody runs off a cliff doesn't mean you should do it either, Right? or a bridge, or whatever. You substitute the high spot, okay? You're like, thanks, Mom. I almost, almost just ever did what everybody else did, okay? Now, here's the thing. People say this all the time. I know this show is, is kind of crude, or rude, or, or whatever word you want to substitute in there, but it's funny. It's hilarious. See, if I told you a sexist joke or a racist joke that was really funny, does it make it okay because it's funny? No. Funny doesn't make wrong right, okay? Funny never makes wrong right. We have to say, God, help me to get my heart right. We have to do it that way. We have to approach God, say, hey, help me get my heart right. And I guarantee you that just like me, all of us have been deceived in one way or another. 
And so we have to ask, God, help me get my heart right. You know, Maybe if there's conversations that I have that are impure, convict me, God. Or if I'm thinking of things that are impure, uh, help me, God, convict me. Okay? If I'm allowing things in my home that are impure, God, show me. You know, Let me know. If I've got a relationships uh, or friendships that are taking me down more than they're bringing me up, show me those. Okay? If I'm being entertained by things that are wrong to you, God, show me, convict me. Okay? God, help me get my heart right first. Second thing, this is so important, parent to the heart. Parent to the heart. When you're working with your kids, parent to the heart. Most of us, we parent to the actions, right? In other words, all we want is the behavior, but we forget to focus on the heart. And all through Scripture, in the Old Testament, when Samuel was anointing a king, he looked at David in 1 Samuel 16, 7 and said, the Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. The heart. God looks at the heart. In fact, Jesus was a fanatic about the heart. In the Old Testament, Scripture taught, don't murder. Well, when Jesus came along, Jesus talked to the heart. He said, hey, don't even hate. If you've hated, you've committed murder in your heart. Old Testament said, don't commit adultery. Jesus taught to the heart. He said, if you um, look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He hammered the Pharisees who had the outward behavior right. On the outside, they looked good. He said, the problem is the outside of your cup and dish is clean, but on the inside where the heart is, it is filthy. Think about this. Where do you eat from, right? We eat from the inside. We put food from the outside into the inside. Everything happens on the inside. The inside is the most important. If your inside isn't healthy, the rest of it really doesn't matter, does it? So when we're working with our kids, we don't want to just settle for outward submission when there's still inward rebellion. And if you have a couple of kids, I guarantee you've done this, okay? One kid does something to the other kid. You say, hey, go apologize. Fine. And they stomp across the floor and go to the other one and say, I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt, you stupid big baby. Right? Now they did what you asked, but is their heart right? No. So we love them toward a right heart. Not just actions, okay, but heart. Why do you think when kids turn 18 and they leave home, they kind of go crazy? Because they've been out uh, conform, uh, conforming outwardly is what I want to say, okay? But their hearts want to do their own thing on the inside. So we parent to the heart. We're working towards purity of the heart. Now, if I haven't offended you yet or, or made you uncomfortable yet or raised the standard for your family yet, uh, this third point is for you, okay? The first thing is we're going to do is we're going to get our own heart right. Second thing is we're going to parent to the heart. And number three, which is probably the most important, which I believe it is the most important, in our homes as we want to be Christ-centered homes, we're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart. We're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart. The reason I chose the word pursue is because we can't achieve it on our own. But with the help of the power of God, we're going to pursue perfect purity. Why perfect purity? Isn't that kind of raising the standard a little bit? Isn't We're not allowed to be perfect, right? Jesus is the only one that is perfect, right? Well, because anything less than perfect purity is not purity. Anything less is not purity, right? And so we're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart in our homes. Ephesians 5.3 said, and, and Paul goes to say, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. Not even a little bitsy, itsy, teeny wint. Any wint, okay? Uh, not even a hint of sexual immorality. I want to give you a pop quiz, all right? Let me ask you some questions, okay? And you answer to yourself wherever you are out loud, okay? Uh, would, you, would committing adultery with four people be a hint of sexual immorality? Yeah, right? Okay. 
Would sleeping with 75% of the people you date before you're married, would that be a hint of sexual immorality? Of course it would. Would, would just looking lustfully at images on a screen breaking your, 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 your wife's heart or your husband's heart, would that be considered a hint of sexual immorality? Yeah. If some hot girl walks by and you start worshiping God for what you just saw, glory to God on high, praise you, God, for that. Mm-hmm. Would that be a hint of sexual immor- immorality? Absolutely, right? Not even a hint. We're pursuing perfect purity in our homes. Paul, go- Paul goes on to say this, not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity because these are improper for God's holy people. The question is, how much impurity do you want to let in? Okay, I like the story I told a couple weeks ago uh, about the kid who wanted to see a bad movie. I told this in in the series of Parenthood. You can look this up later on, but uh, I'm going to share it again because there's some people who maybe not have heard this yet, and it works great for our, our series today. Basically, kid wanted to see a bad movie. Mom says no. And the kid's like, well, there's not a lot of bad stuff in it, Mom. There's just a little bit. Mom says, fine. First, I'm going to make you some brownies, though, before you go. Kid's excited. I love brownies. Great. Mom says, hey, do me a favor. Go out into the yard and get a a spoonful, just a little spoonful of dog poop and bring it back to me. So the kid does, brings it back. Mom mixes it in the brownies, makes the brownie and says, here you go. And the son's like, I'm not eating yet. That's gross. She said, no, no, it's okay. There's just a little bit of poop in the brownies just like there's a little bit of bad stuff in your movie. See, the goal is purity of the heart. What's your standing, what's your standing going to be? Blessed are poor in the heart, for they will see God. Listen, when you find purity by the power of God, not just moral purity, but when God starts to change your heart and you stop desiring what you once desired and start desiring what matters to him, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? For they will see God. Imagine if you see God answer prayers, use you in the lives of others, make a difference through you, use your spiritual gifts, and see his power at work in your life, and see his goodness following you in all the days, and and you see him working all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When you're pure in heart, you can see the power of God in a way that you've never imagined before. Now, some of you are going to go, well, that's great for you but I've screwed up big time. My heart is so messed up and I've done things that are so wrong and and I'm so far off. Listen, I can relate to you because that's my story. I messed up more than you could ever imagine. My heart is deceitful above all things and that's why I lean on the word of God. In Ezekiel 36, 26, God says this, and if you don't hear anything else with, with this podcast today, hear this. God says this, I'm not gonna just ask you to make your own heart better. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Some of you, your heart has grown hardened. And listen, if you're offended today, if you're pushing back today, could it be that your heart was grown hard? Has it grown hard? God said, I will give you a new heart and remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Because there is a standard of righteousness we cannot achieve on our own. It takes the power of goodness of our God through Jesus Christ. And when we seek him and know him, we're not just a Christian family. We're a Christ-centered home. And suddenly the standard rises and the power of God gives us a new heart. And we are different. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Right? God, help us to be pure in heart so we can see you like we've never seen you. 
me for. Amen. Thanks for joining us today, guys. That concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. It also concludes uh, our second week of Bless This Home. We hope you can continue joining us and come back next Monday or next week and, and listen to week three of our series, Bless This Home. Talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.